Hello, everyone. I'm Joshua Thompson. And I'm Angela Brown. And this is Melanated Moments in Classical Music. The bonus edition. Angela, it is so good to be with you again, albeit remotely. But let's just be honest, though. All right. 2020 mm -hmm. has been an unprecedented year, to say Ooh. the very least. Child, you ain't said nothing but a word. So <laughs> much has happened in the world of classical music and in the world at large since we debuted this podcast in just March 2020. Right. right. So, like, for starters, there's the elephant in the room. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You are talking about the pandemic and not these pandemic pounds on my behind, right? Well, yes, because, you know, uh, <laughs> Corona is still a thing. And I'm it's working on the building, baby. I'm working. Yes. The coronavirus is still a thing. There's the summer that literally boiled over into the streets around the globe mm. as we continue to wrestle with achieving true racial equality. And Angela, both of these things came together and just... It just really transformed artists, arts yes. communities, right? Mm -hmm. And global communities in a way that I'm not sure we've ever seen before. I know. I've never seen anything like this in my life. We'll dig deeper into all those things in a minute, trust me. But 2020 has also been an unprecedented year in some inspiring ways as well. How so? Well, you know, we as artists, we creatives, we never let a crisis go to waste. <laughs> so this is, this is very true. But seriously, this time has birthed some incredible new music, enriched some incredible communities, and moved the needle ever forward. So mm. there's some good that we will and need to highlight. Yes, I agree. And you know, Angela, how much I love a positive reframe. Um, and speaking of positive things, mm -hmm. uh, girl, we kind of did our thing in season one, huh? <laughs> yes, baby. <laughs> we are the best black music podcast of 2020. Come on, girl, hit them high notes because I can't. We are so excited. And we really just want to thank the Black Podcasting Awards for that honor because we didn't see it coming. No, we didn't. And we are getting a season two, child. Ah! Come on. Ooh, but, you know, we can't start season two as if 2020 didn't happen, honey. You're right. So we've decided to bring you all these bonus episodes to cover the year that was 2020. And cover them, we will. And we're going to have fun doing it, too. Mm -hmm. So, Angela, I understand that we have both found a special guest for these bonus episodes who quite remarkably and single-handedly embodies all of these topics, whether we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, racial equity and equality, or the lack thereof, and creative resilience. Honey, and I don't know how this man had, is, is able to do all of that, but we have definitely found someone that speaks to all of those things. And I am so excited to introduce to some and present to others Dr. Bill Banfield. 
So let me just tell you a little bit about it. Please let the people know. <laughs> let them know. This is this is the man that we all need to know. Okay. We need to know. I'm, I'm excited. I'll try to curb my enthusiasm, but girl, I'm just I'm well, too excited well, today. Well, just wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me read a little bit about him first. <laughs> Dang on, boy. Okay. Bill Banfield has produced a body of productive music, arts, scholarship, activities, books, compositions, and readings. Banfield was appointed in 2019 as a research associate with the Smithsonian Center for Folk Life and Cultural Heritage. Wow. Now, his work focuses on what he identifies as cultural through lines, you know, delineating the ways in which contemporary artistry and new works harken back and hold onto critical cultural linkages to understand. Having served not once, but (laughs) twice as a Pulitzer Prize judge in American music, that's 2010 and 2016, Banfield is an award-winning composer whose symphonies, operas, chamber works have been performed and recorded by major symphonies across the country. Some of his recordings, I mean, he has gotten 12 symphonies. Seven opera, wow. 12, child, 12 wow. symphonies, seven operas, nine concerti, chamber, jazz, and popular forms. Now, this alone makes Bill Banfield one of the most performed and recorded composers of his generation. He'd been busy. I would agree. He'd been busy. His works as a composer and performing recording jazz artist are carried on Atlantic, Telarc, Collins Classics, that's in London, Centura, Albany Visionary Recordings, and Innova Records. His music has been performed and or recorded by, and this is just a few, honey, because the list is too long. It is longer than I am tall, so come on and hit it it with us. George Duke, Patrice Russian, Don Bryan, Leon Bates, Christian Scott, Najee, Ron Carter, Delphale Marcellus, Regina Carter, Nina Freelon, and Nelson oh. Rangel. And I do mean that's just to name a few. You had me at Christian Scott and you had okay. me at Nina Freeland. Listen, I, I oh. am just so excited to introduce and welcome Dr. William Bill Banfield. Hey, Dr. B. Uh, Welcome, Dr. B. (laughs) Oh, hey. Hello to both of you and everyone. So. It is absolutely exciting to have you here. And there's so much that you can and will talk to us about. And so. Angela and I have to work to uh, to really make sure that we hit all the highlights and the under points. Um, and so we just kind of want to bring you on here because, again, like we said earlier, you are the physical and musical representation of the year that has been 2020 um, and honestly beyond. So we're looking forward to your insights and to your observations on melanated moments in classical music. So welcome. Oh, well, that's a high order. Uh, to feel there. <laughs> but listen, let's have a blast talking about all the wonderful things you all do, the things that are forthcoming and, and the, the, the kinds of ways in which we can uh, have a ball looking at these great themes that you outlined. Just a very big honor to be here. Wonderful. So, Dr. Bill, just just kind of give us a little bit more um, 
background, because there's a lot that we can talk about, but just briefly, just tell us how your entire career got started. Where does all of this start from? It doesn't come from nothing, right? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, my parents, I'm from Detroit. Yes. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I wanted to ask you, but go yeah. ahead. You said Detroit, I, and then I'm like, ooh, yeah. music, music, music. Go ahead, baby. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the Motor City, but it, it also represents a kind of a urbanized city of progression. Folks moved to Detroit. The industries were there. They were able to build an economy and a culture that represented the best that, that America is always about, which is forward motion industry and innovation. That happened in music as well with, with mm. the, all the music that happened with Motown. So I'm from Detroit. But I think to get straight to the course of some of this is a lot of my work started with Angela Brown. No. You've been holding out. I know, I know. I skipped over a couple years, though, you know, because we started doing this when we were seven years old, right? Exactly, <laughs> baby. And I still look good. <laughs> yeah, you do. But when you think about it, uh, those early years in my first times as a young professor, Angela Brown was my vocal assistant at Indiana yeah. University, Bloomington. Uh -huh. And that's where we first met. And uh, so actually all the stuff we're talking about actually starts with my interaction with, with Angela and we're both kind of reaching out to do our, our work in the world. And I mean, the story moves on from there, but, but yeah. in terms of filling in, you know, I went away to school uh, from Detroit to, to the East, to New England Conservatory. Did my undergraduate there in Boston, and then I did a, a master's in theology and philosophy. Yeah, now, what, what, you can't just gloss over that one, because that was something that <laughs> I found in the research that blew uh, my mind. I was like, did you want to be a minister? A whooping yeah. kind? Yeah I, went, yeah, I went to divinity school. Wow. I, Dr. B, I, yeah. I didn't know that. Let's be honest, yeah. still doing a very elevated form of ministry, even as we speak. Hey. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. During that time I studied, I, I went to Africa, to West Africa, to uh, Dakar. And mm -hmm. the, the, the principal musician role, artist, philosopher, uh, visionary, ritual person, spiritual person, is in West Africa called the Griot. Right. Uh -huh. Absolutely. The Griot. Yeah. Teaches the music. He or she embodies what the cultural values are. So when I was working on my master's, I wanted to look at the relationship of, of those ideals and the idea of, of lifting people forward with music and art. And that was my master's thesis. Mm. Uh, and so that's what I studied in West Africa when I came back to, 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 to BU. Um, I start on this thesis around the, these areas. There's a lot to talk about there, but that's yeah. where... Uh, where the work and thought begin to be threaded together about the role of the artist in society. Yes, because you wrote a book about the griot that the students had to 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 learn. Didn't you teach a class yeah. or a course? Yeah, at IU. And I remember that's when that book came out. But I had no idea that you were thinking about becoming a clergy. I knew you were, <laughs> you were deep. I knew you was deep as the ocean now, but you were also crazy and fun. So, you know, we yeah. would like to say we both were kids. And, um, and, <laughs> and I was I was definitely following your wisdom in everything that, that we did at the Arts Institute down yeah, at well. uh, Indiana University. But I mean, yeah, that theological thing, Ben, just, just threw me. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So and so so here here it is. Then I, I go from uh BU 
uh, with a master's in theological studies, and I go to University of Michigan to do my doctorate in composition. Uh-huh. So what happened there is is that there was also the minor area in ethnomusicology, which is you know, this same area. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the history of how music affects people in specific cultural kinds of contexts. We're dealing with, um, you know, music from China, music from Detroit, music from the South. Ethnomusicology is a study of how those musics are generated by those different cultural groups to make a larger discussion about how music moves the society. So those things kind of all just mixed together. Right. And then, and then I finished my doctorate and my first job Josh was at Indiana University as a professor of music and Afro-American studies. So it came together right there at Indiana University. I had no idea that was your first job, first of all. And, uh, but yeah, but you know, now it makes I absolutely love this, Dr. Bill. You, um, with your work that centers on cultural through lines, we've taken the last few minutes and have had a somewhat heady an academic conversation about, you know, what you do and what the focus is. Um, If you all remember from from an episode in season one, we are all collective blurs. We are black nerds. This is what we do. Um, And I have found the the poobah of of blurs in in Dr. Bell. We have both found him. Um, But as a way to kind of make it a little bit accessible in here, um, to put our finger on the button, Cultural through lines, it's connectivity. You said a couple of times how music connects people and cultures. And we were going through, I think you provided for us, it's your symphony number six. And I feel like this is such a beautiful example of what you just talked about. Right, Angela, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. When I listened to that this morning, I immediately, because, you know, 2020 has taken us all through uh, mm-hmm. some some types of spiritual changes or whatever. And I've been mm-hmm. meditating a little more. And I turned on the Peace Symphony. And I oh, was yeah. like, okay, this has all kinds of Tibetan singing bowls and Indian flute <laughs> music. I was like, I can use this as part of my meditation. It is yeah. so beautiful and i can't wait for the audience just to hear what i'm talking about it's soothing yet it keeps you engaged and it it it, it bubbles a little bit under the surface and into your soul i love it, it. so i tell you what let's give our our listeners an opportunity to take the heady and put it in their ears let's just give them an experience of that meditative but connective um, representation found in this little excerpt of uh, Dr. Bill Banfield's Peace Symphony. Thank you. 
Uh, can we oh just my, take, uh, 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 a minute? Because Angela and Doctor, I have to tell you. Um, so actually, in March, I had my first chance to actually meet Doctor Bill's acquaintance. Uh, yeah, because I was studying with him with uh, a fellowship and a research fellowship I was doing. And the day before I got on my plane, when we could still like travel freely, um, <laughs> right? That was, that was the thing. Uh, this was the piece that I listened to the night before. I was unbelievably nervous. It's that feeling of meeting great expectation, uh, mm. meeting heroes, meeting people who are doing things that you want to do. And there was something that was wildly comforting and illuminating in vision and purpose when I heard this, Dr. Bill. Wow. Wow. And the title is is apropos, as in Peace Symphony. It just Definitely. Yeah, you became a human. I mean, you were always are, right? But you were you were artist and you were prolific. But this piece was um musical humanity. And I have wow. loved it ever since. So thank you for this. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What was your inspiration behind this piece, Doc? Because now that I know that you're this spiritual guru, all, <laughs> I, all I could see while I was listening to this, the wind was blowing. It's a beautiful day here in Indianapolis, and the sun is shining on the backside of the leaves as the, as the wind is blowing them. Oh, wow. And I could just feel the warmth and the breeze, and as cold as I don't know what here, but I felt <laughs> warm. What were you thinking about when this came to you? Well, that's, you know, you all are such good musicians. Uh, it's so interesting for your audience that you all are setting the pace and helping us all to interpret what it is we're hearing when we hear that piece. I enjoyed listening to it with you all together. Um, you know, one of the things that I say, Angela and Josh, is that music is tones organized to tell human stories. That's one of the things that I, I talk about a, a lot. And um, so the, the idea of using this music, like you say, Josh, just go to the real deals. Get get away from all these intellectual ideas. Yeah. I mean, just, that's how people listen to music. They, they, yeah. they, they hear music, they see art, they see dance, and they're reminded of their human journey. So when you listen to a music like that, you know, you hear that the musicians that are playing the music are also trying to to evoke a certain idea that the composer had in mind. So in terms of what I had in mind, and you you, you bring this up so wonderfully also um, in your overview of bios, uh, the timeline. I mean, the the first, and you helped me to understand this, Angela, the, the uh, Symphony 6 was done in 1995. This is recording is 2050. It's already 20 years there, and they both are linked. If you notice that opening with that, 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 yeah, I know. I know that you, you heard that. You actually, you mentioned that. See, that's part of a kind of a through line idea, like a cowbell, a rhythmic thing. And then you pour all these beautiful or, or challenging ideas or, you know, or melodies or rhythms on top of that. But that through line that, 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 that just keeps you human. Uh -huh, so there's a uh -huh. human walk, the human heartbeat. And then you're able to, but the, the short end of this on a more practical end than that is that my mentor from Detroit, Kenny Burrell, the great jazz guitarist, Kenny Burrell, who's also the chair of jazz studies at UCLA, commissioned that piece from me. And he said he wanted me to write a, a, a symphony that dealt with just the idea of wanting peace in the world. And so that that's a little bit of the backdrop of that piece. I so, so thank you all for picking that piece. Dr. Bill, it's it like I said, it's 
gorgeous. And I think a great place to end today's episode on this idea of peace and beauty as we, as a nation, and the world take time to recover from this chaotic yet historic summer and get ready for all the work that is still to come. So thanks again to Dr. Bill Banfield. I'm Joshua Thompson. And I'm Angela Brown. And this has been Melanated Moments in Classical Music. Hello, everyone. I'm Joshua Thompson. And I'm Angela Brown. And this is Melanated Moments in Classical Music. Thank you, Edition. As host of Melanated Moments in Classical Music, we wanted to take a moment to thank the Central Indiana Community Foundation, the Board of Directors of Indianapolis Foundation, and the Evans Woolen Fund for Fine Arts for supporting season two of our podcast. We can't wait to bring you season two as part of Classical Music Indies Amplify Our Voices initiative. And as always, we look forward to shining a bright spotlight on musical works composed by, for, and about Black people. We truly and sincerely thank you for your generous support.